Okay, Erev Tov, everyone. We're beginning Parshas Toldos. And of course, we, uh, these Parshas, we've studied them for many years. And the questions that we ask are pretty much the same questions. But we hope to uh, give different answers and deeper answers to what we are, what we've heard in the past. And this will be no exception. And uh, what do we know about Parsha's Toldos? Well, the first obvious question that is asked every year is how was Yitzhak so gullible to be fooled by Esau to think to give him blessings? Why would he want to give him blessings? Why does he love him? Why does he want to bless him? Why doesn't Rivka tell Yitzhak the truth? What kind of son he has? We know that Yitzhak knows that Esau is not a tzaddik. For example, in the first source, when, uh, when Yaakov comes in place of Esau, what does Yitzchak say? Please come close if you please, so I can feel you, my son. Are you indeed my son Esau or not? And why was he not sure if it was Esau? So the Rashi says, because Yaakov mentioned God's name, something that was uncharacteristic of Esau. That made Yitzhak suspicious if that was truly his oldest son, meaning to say, he know that Esau didn't speak of God's name. And there's many, many sources that suggest clearly that Yitzhak knew what kind of schoira his son was. So why is he wanting to give him a blessing? This is the famous question we've talked about this many times in the past. That's question number one. Question number two, we're going to we've not asked in the past. Now, if you only looked at the text and you would not know Rashi, you wouldn't know the Midrash, you wouldn't know any Chazal, if you just looked at the text alone, if you were, forgot everything you learned and just read the Parsha this week, is there anything negative about Esau? in the words of the Torah. Now, that's not a fair question for me to ask you. You just have to recall everything that was in that portion. It's Gateway's been a year since you looked at it. Nothing, nothing. What? Gateway's birthright, that's negative. He sold his birthright. Is that negative? Yeah. I don't know. The Torah says he came from the field. He was very tired. And he's very tired. And he, and he says, I'm, I'm dying. And the brother who's got the food should have said, here, sure, have some. Yeah, but he's... If anything, Yaakov Yaakov looks to be a rotten stinker. Imagine, he's he's coming from the field. He is tired. He says, give me some of these beans. Why would Yaakov not give him the beans? If anything, Yaakov comes across as the bad guy. And in the secular world, that's for sure true. In the secular world, when they read the story, they, they make Yaakov to be a very not nice person, one who takes advantage of people. Uh, there's a word for that. I can't remember it. Uh, what Opportunist, yes. He was an opportunist. What, so the guy's hungry. So sell me your birthright. I'm dying. What's it going to help if I'm dead? Too bad. I got you over a barrel, so sell it to me. Doesn't look like yeah, such, it, such it, a bad... He a man in the field. Probably physically stronger than Yaakov. He could just grab the stuff himself and eat it. So he didn't. 
See what kind of nice guy he is. See what kind of nice guy he is. Derek Eretz. He has Derek Eretz. A strong guy from the field. He's going to punch Jacob's lights out. And what does he do? He says, can I have it, please? Halitani no. Please, please give it to me. He's even saying, please. I go, no, not until you sell me the birthright. He says, I'm dying. Too bad. Sell me the birthright. See, you got too much, you know, too many chazals that are pumping up your mind. Pour the red stuff down my throat. That's what. That's right here. He's hungry. He's starving. Just pour it. You know, halitainus. Give it to him. I have no creativity. Just pour it down. I'm. I'm so. My mom is famished. Now, what about? Stupidity. What about honoring his father? No, no. I'm saying. Yitzchak liked him. Yeah. So his mother, mother didn't say his mother hated him. Just said she loved Yaakov. You, you don't ever have families like that? Where one spouse loves one child, one spouse loves the other child. Right? Yitzchak uh, says, go bring me uh, food from the field so I can bless you. Ace of goes. And what happens? Yaakov goes and, and sneaks up under him. Asaph comes back. Sorry, your brother got it. Uh, what is what's Asaph's reaction? He starts crying. He starts crying. So if if you really see that's what you have to learn Chumash every year and forget all the chazals you learned. Just just while you're learning the psukim, right? And you know. We think more even, if I would say which character would you empathize with, I would empathize with Asaph. Yeah. God wrote the story in a way that we should empathize with Asaph. The problem is, you know, we, 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 before we get, before we thoroughly look at the plain text, ready jumping with Rashi, and the Gemara, and the Medrash, and this and that. Before we even open up the Chumash, we got Asa's a Russian. That, that's not the, I'm not blaming anybody. That's the way we were all taught. But I'm not subscribing. That's the best way to be taught. Okay? And if you're just looking in the Chumash. Now, of course, we believe everything the Chazal say. There's no question about it. But isn't it odd that the Torah would write Asaf really in a very nice way? He's a nice... Okay, he's he's a he's a kind of guy who likes to be in the field. There's nothing wrong with being in the field. We're not told of one Avera he did. We only know he married some wives that his parents didn't like, which is not unusual, especially in Jewish families. Tor doesn't say that they were worshiping idols or anything. He says he had these wives and they were a bitter spirit to his to his father to his father. He didn't like the choice who married. No. You don't know any nice Jewish boys that married some of the parents weren't so happy with. And even if you're going to say, well, Asaph said to himself, you know, when my, just wait till my father dies and I'm going to kill Yaakov. I mean, you blame a person what he says when he's been hoodwinked twice already. People do say things in anger. I mean, how many times does Yaakov have to be the opportunist on him? 
I mean, look at it from Asim's side. He goes to get a blessing. He comes back. He doesn't know from anything. Very sorry, Yaakov took your blessing. <laughs> What's going on over here? Second time he took advantage of me? I want to kill him. Would you really blame a guy for talking that way? I mean, after all, who is the real perpetrator here? Yaakov. Yet, right? So, so, and you can see him. I mean, if you really are, if see, the problem is you open up and say, oh, Asaph's a Russian, I can't like him. So you're not being fair to Asaph. <laughs> Did she not? Is that Midrash or did she put up her uh, um, Yaakov to saying do this, do this? And that Torah said yes. So what a what a terrible mother! What a terrible mother! The mother didn't like Esau, so she cheats him out of his inheritance. All, all I know is I don't see any. I can't put my finger on a bad thing that Esau did in the text. But I could certainly see bad things that Yaakov did and bad things that Rivka did. But the Torah is very clear. Esau was not, he doesn't speak to God. He doesn't have anything but Hashem. Torah doesn't say anything uh, in this chapter, this part about Yaakov speaking to God either. Well, we know that. Uh, but look, 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 we don't, this is the part we're on. Lying, you this is the part. He asked him to come feel it because he, he didn't think it was. That is Rashi. Okay. That's I'm telling you. For not, don't look at Rashi. That's what I'm saying. Don't look at Rashi. Just read the text. Yisras, is this you, my son? Okay, maybe he's not sure. He's blind. The simple reading the text, and if the Torah does that, then the Torah wants you to empathize with him. Do we? Do you see? Because if we did, why couldn't Torah write it straight out? It was a Russia. Do you understand? When, when the Torah, sometimes, you know, it's pretty clear. Like, we, we could pretty much know, let's say, some stories. Bilam was a Russia. The Torah tells us Bilam was a Russia. He went to curse the Jews. So, okay. And, now, and then the Chazal even make him into a bigger Russia. Okay, but once the Torah says he's a Russia, then I understand we'll make him the biggest Russia possible. Of all the blessings that came out, he really wanted to make curses. But Asaf, if you go, don't go with a preconceived notion, and all you know is Asaf, what you see in the text. If I'd have to pick the worst people in this story, if I have to say, you have four people to choose as Russia number one, Russia number two, three, and four. I definitely put Yaakov as Russia number one. I put Rivka as Russia number two. Asaph as Russia number three. Why? And that's why I'm telling you, go if you know any, you know any non Jews who have any knowledge of the Bible, ask them what they think about Jacob. And you wonder where the anti Semitism comes from. It comes right out of the Torah. Okay, but for our purposes, we have to understand why is the Torah, remember there's different levels. On the Pshat level, is portraying Asaph as a person who's been taken advantage of, and then I certainly understand why he becomes a Russia. Don't you have to rise above your uh, You know, uh, yeah, but Yaakov didn't have any brothers uh, scheming against him. No, I understand, but on Asaph's side, not too like... Again, again, the Torah is, again, the, nowhere the Torah calls him a Russia. 
right? And really, if you didn't know any, just like for that, when Yosef gets sold, right, you could start crying for him, right? And they tell stories of how, you know, out the boobies, when they go through the parsha and they hear, oh, he's going to do it again, he's going to, they start crying. You should cry for Yosef. I'm a sure you want, nice boy. Nice boy, let's go out in the field, get food for his dad. Torah tells you he gave his father venison. He's a nice guy. We don't find Yaakov doing anything for his parents. He's sitting in the tent all day. So what's the story about Rivka going by buying a shul and uh, That's Madrish. That's Madrish. Okay, I didn't See that's that. <laughs> that's Madrish. Okay. So again, you just read you know, you should just you should just read the Chumash once without rash, without anything, and just say, What do I think about the characters here? So obviously the Torah intended for us to empathize with Esau. There's no question about it. Now, on the other hand, Chazal are telling us, well, he was a rush. So again, and, and I'm not doubting where they were able to find it in the texts. For example, the one you mentioned, Yitzhak never heard Esau say God's name. Okay, but that's their job. But the question is, if he really is a Russia, the Torah should have made it very clear that he's a Russia. Don't leave much to the imagination. The Torah could have just added a few couple lines and it would have got very clear that he's a Russia. And, and Dafka, God did not do that. Could it be that um, Esau may have had the capacity to do Teshuvah so they didn't label him too early? Okay, so you have to understand why and how and what. Okay. In every family, you have one kid's religious, the other's not so religious. The parents still love the no, Nobody says that Asaph's not religious. No, true. Right. No the Torah didn't say oh, one uh, sin uh, about the man. And really, in the entire Torah, you don't find anything bad about Asaph. In Parshas Vayetze, when Yaakov comes back, and Yaakov's afraid of Esau, going with the text only. He's afraid. Well, yeah, I'd be afraid. He still has a grudge. <laughs> if I was Esau, I'd have a grudge too. But then when push comes up, Esau comes, he hugs and kisses him. Yeah, I'm sorry. He hugs and kisses him. So we got to understand what's the Torah trying to tell us over here. He had so much potential. Okay. Okay, yeah, but we have to know what kind of potential we're talking about. Okay. Okay. So let's continue. Let's move on to source number three. The first passage says, The Eile told us Yitzchak ben Avram. These are the children of Yitzchak ben Avram. Avram Halidus Yitzchak. The Torah does not tell us in the next passage, does not tell us who the children of Yitzchak are. It mentions that Yitzchak marries Rivka. Rivka can't have children. They pray to God. And then in a few seconds later, they have the twins, Yaakov and Esau. So in this first Pasuk, we don't know who the children of Yitzchak is. But if we wait five seconds, you'll find out exactly who his children are. So this makes the Rashi on this Pasuk very difficult to understand in Source 4. Ela told us Yitzchak... Yaakov Esav. It's Yaakov and Esav. Because the text doesn't say so. I figured I might as well tell you. Hamur of Parsha, who are spoken of in this section. Why Yaakov's name is 
because he was supposed to be born first. Uh, okay, that, that's that's a, a question. But the real question is, what's Rashi doing for us here? Give me us more text. That's all. No, no. But it, you're going to read the next four or five sukkim. You're going to know the children of of Yitzchak are. It's it's clearly spoken that that's who they are. So you know, I know Ela told us Noach, Noach is and these are the children, Shem Cham and Yavetz. So Yitzchak, it took a couple more psukim to get around to it. But by the time you're a few psukim into this parsha, you know exactly who the children of Yitzchak are. So why is Rashi telling us it's Yaakov and Esau? Rashi's job is not to tell us information that we will not know. And he says, Yaakov is Hamura Parsha that are mentioned in this section. Well, of course they're mentioned in this section. Very difficult, Rashi. Let's continue. Source 5. So, Rivka, what happens? She gets pregnant. The children stuck, struggled inside of her. Fatormich said, So why do I exist? So now we get Rashi that brings from Chazal, the famous... Now Now we're talking about Medrash. What does it mean? They struggled. They were running, moving quickly. When she passed the doors of Torah... Yaakov was trying to get out. Whenever they passed the gate of a pagan temple, Esau tried to get out. Okay, so what is what is Chazal telling us about Esau's genetic disposition? Can can you be a Russia when you're in your mother's womb? Can you be a Tzaddik in your mother's womb? No. What was going on in the mother's womb? Oh, was uh, yes. So now the question is, so why are we blaming Asa for his behavior if he was genetically engineered to be evil? Because he was born to a family that could have made him righteous if he yeah. Well, but Hashem made him genetically evil. That's not fair. Let me ask you a question. Is a lion evil because it eats animals? No. Why? It's nature. Well, God, before the kid was born, he wants to worship idols. Okay. So it's, he's human. He's not okay. an animal. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, so and, and Yaakov gets it easy? That's life. That's life. Okay, if you're happy with that, we can we can go home, you know. And and if you want, and and more than that, whose genetics? Where did he get the genetics from? From who? From his parents. From his parents. So let's blame the parents. Usually, usually genetics come from the parents. So and and so now you know this Chazal. Like, what the heck you want from this guy? You know, okay, you know a lot of classes we've had already, but on a simple level, this does not seem fair. Does not seem fair. Yeah? So, uh, we say that Sadiq uh, or Russia is not decided. It is when he's born, he decides how when he's. That's decided. right. So, how do we understand this? That he's genetically wicked. How do you understand this? Let's just have nothing in the womb. If anything, the Medrash, the Gemara Nida says when a child's in the womb, they teach him Torah. Yeah. He sees the realities of all existence. It's the most beautiful, idyllic existence. Yashar Koyach. And Asif, he gave the creepiest womb experience ever. 
they want us to they want us to predispose we they want us to have a an opinion of Asav even before he was born, and that's. Okay, so again, if I would have this, then I can't blame him at all for what he does. Maybe it was Yaakov, Jay. No, no. Did she know which baby it was? One of the babies was jumping. She doesn't know which one it is. She doesn't know. She goes to shame. She goes to shame and Aver. She said, I don't know what's going on. I said, don't worry. It's not a schizoid baby. It's two babies. Now remember, they're they're kicking in this and saying, why am I living if, if I have a kid? Kicking to go to a shul, kicking to go out to the star, like what's going on? He says, Don't worry. One's going to be a tzaddik, one's going to be a Russian. And then it seems she was okay with that. Because she went to shame to get an answer. And what happened? She got an answer. And it seems she wasn't upset anymore. I don't know if I were you and you were told one's going to be a Russia. I'd be upset about that. You don't know which one's which. Okay, fine, but you'll find out. You'll find out soon enough. <laughs> not in the text, but in the Chazal, you'll find it soon enough. For us, not me in the text. Yeah. How does the text tell us? I know that's the that was the first question, but now that we know this Chazal, now we're asking on the Chazal. So what do you want from Esav? In other words, he was set up for failure. So well, how are we supposed to learn from this? So you're just saying, well, you have to overcome it. That's it. So that's it's nice. It doesn't make you doesn't make you feel any better. Success is a Russia. Don't doesn't make you feel any better. So let's say you let's say you have that way. So you just have to overcome it. So you have a child who is uh, has let's say you know we all you know have certain children with certain wicked tendencies. Well, you just have to overcome it. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you. Yeah, but they also deserve attention to help them with their... Okay, so, yeah, so, so, okay, what do you tell a person? What are you supposed to, okay, fine. So, what's, what is, what are you supposed to tell, you know? So, the guy says, I have no patience. You know, it's like a, a person is mentally not well. You say, be well. I don't know, I can't. You know, it's, it's all very good mother statements, but when you're suffering, when you're a kid who has ADHD, and you're in a school that doesn't tolerate that, well, you just have to be quiet. Just take some pills. That, that seems to be the answers we're giving, and it doesn't usually work too much. So maybe we could dig a little deeper this year. Let's hope we'll dig a little deeper. Okay, let's continue another interesting Rashi. So now at the end of the Parsha, jump way to the end of the Parsha. Source 7. So after Yaakov steals the blessing and Rivka understands that Esau wants to kill Esau. So what happens? So she tells Yitzchak, if it's, what is she coming up with a scheme? Oi, if Yaakov marries a, a shiksa like, like Esau married one, I'm going to die. You know, so Yitzchak, okay, we'll send him to love him. The real Russia. Okay, so now, source nine, uh, not nine, seven. Yitzchak, because Yaakov, Yitzchak sent Yaakov. He went to Paneram, to love on the son of Besul Rami, Achi Rivka, who's the brother of Rivka, and Rivka is Aim Yaakov Esav, the mother of Yaakov and Esav. This is the end of the Parsha now. So, what's the question? Why is this still defining? Don't we know she's the mother of Yaakov and Esav? So, Rashi's going to help us out. Look what Rashi says in Source 8. He doesn't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. 
I don't know what it's going to teach us. Well, if you don't know what it's going to teach us, then don't tell us anything. So, of course, there are those Musers for him that say, well, you see, if Rashi can admit he doesn't know, you can admit you don't know. Okay, that's nice. That's easy for me to do. Shit. And let's ask another question, a very simple question. Okay, let's, let's, let's lay this out over here. You're Rivka. You have two sons. The son you love is Yaakov. The other one, we're not going to say you hate him, but you don't love him, is Esau. Esau wants to kill Yaakov. She heard that, right? Now, she didn't want to tell Yitzchak that Esau wants to kill Yaakov. She didn't want to tell him that. That would not be so good for Yitzchak to digest. So what, what, what is the problem and how is she solving it? What's the problem? That, um, that they're close to each other, one might get killed. Esau will kill Yaakov. That's the problem. Yaakov is sent away. So how do you solve it? Okay, let me think about this. If you were the mother Rivka, would you, would you come up that with that solution? No, you send Esau. Send Esau away! Yeah. And just like she came up with some bogus excuse... I mean, it was not totally bogus. He has to, but is that really such a good idea to send Yaakov alone, this simple guy, into the lion's den of Lavan? She could have reversed this. She could have said, you know, tell Asaph we need, uh, it's too crowded. We need you to do some, uh, go to Lavan's house and check things out for us. Go to Lavan and just, uh, you know, give him a reason to go to Lavan. She can come up with some kind of excuse. But just get just get Asaph out of the house. But After all, he's the Russia. He's the one who wants to kill your son. But and 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 now what happens? She never sees Yaakov again for the rest of her life. Now I don't know if I was the mother and I loved Yaakov. The one thing is I want to see Yaakov. And we already said that Asaph was miserable to them. And the wise were miserable. Yitzhak was still in a position he could have said, Yitzhak, I really think it's better, you know, uh, that Esav, I, I need you to do a project. Take your family and go to Mount Sayer or go somewhere else. Find an excuse to get Esav out of the picture. I was just really protecting Esav. So as a motherly person, could she really knew Yaakov wouldn't get into trouble? Really, Yaakov wouldn't get into trouble. Boy, Asa. was he lucky that he didn't get into trouble. Yeah, he almost got Asa. killed. No, no, but they're like keeping Asa at home rather kind of protecting him in a way. As opposed to she, she knew what kind of nature. If he went out there, that would be the end of him. Wait a minute. Like, okay. Well, could have been selfish. Because here is the person that could work the field, provide the food, take care of, take care of things. He becomes usable. I mean, he's, 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 use, he's useful to the family to help her. Especially he wants to kill Yaakov. He's very useful. Yeah, well, that's why you get rid of... You, you, so, what, so therefore, you send Yaakov to work like a dog for love. For love. He could stay here and be treated a lot better. Okay, let, let's just move on. Let's, let's move on because I, I want to be able to... I got a lot over here. But there's what to think about. There's what to think about. Okay, so now we move to the, to the real question of the day. <laughs> Source 9. The boys grew up. Esav is a man who knows how to hunt. A man of the field. Now, what's wrong with that clause? 
Don't look at Rashi. He's not going to tell you. What's wrong with that clause? Esav is an ish yodea tzayid ish sadeh. A man who knows how to hunt a man of the field. He's hunter, he'll always be outside. Why you have to say double? Hunter has to yes. Hunt if we say your day at don't we know he's an east sadat? Yeah. Not doing inside. What? Not doing inside. Let's <laughs> do it outside. I mean, it's it's like repetitive. And if you're going to do anything, you should say east sadat, a man of the field. East your day at a man who knows how to hunt. Why is he a man who knows how to hunt before he's a man of the field? This is why Rashi has to bring Chazal to say we have to now say a little bit different. And what do we mean hunting? Rashi says, He knew how to hunt and deceive his father with his mouth. Now it's very good. It's two separate things. He's in the house. He knows how to trap in the house. And he's in the field. He could trap in the field too. Different trappings. Very nice. Very nice. So that's so how did he trick him? He said, Abba, how do you tithe? You know, you have to give a tenth of your crops. How do you give tithes on salt and tithes on straw? Which are both not edible foods. Ooh. He's very punctilious in observing the divine commandments. Okay, so the simple meaning is he was trying to deceive his father. When in fact there's no obligation in Jewish law to separate miser from salt. Wow, he's going beyond the letter of the law. So we look at this Rashi and it seems, okay, he was deceiving his father. It's not so simple to say this at all. Let's see why. Let's look in source 11. It's a Mishnah Maisus that tells a rule about Ma'aser. I didn't put the English over here, I'm sorry. The rule is Ma'aser is only given in stuff that's food and grows from the ground. So how could he ask, how do we separate Ma'aser from salt? If anything, he sounds like an ignoramus. Can you imagine... What if I, uh, Daddy, how do you put tzitzis on a tablecloth? <laughs> you a shaita? What kind of question <laughs> asking? Uh, Dad, how do you keep Shabbos on Tuesday? Dad, how do you wrap tefillin on your foot? Dad, how do you give miser from salt? If anything, he appears to be an ignoramus. And more than that, what do you mean, how do you give miser? Just give 10%. What, what, what's the question? So that's a very difficult question. Like, what's going on over here? And, and if you look carefully at what Rashi says in source 10, and it's based on Midrashim in 12 and 13, you notice the real sources, the written sources, are not exactly the same. Not exactly the same. Look in source 12. The Medrash Tanchuma says, Abba HaMelech Mahu Father is, is uh, salt chayiv in Meiser. He wasn't asking how to, but actually is it to begin with? Now that's a sensible question. Mm-hmm. 
But Rashi doesn't say those words. The other Medrash, Rabbah, says, How do we prepare salt? How do we make it part of Hashem's world? How do we, you know, produce, you make it part of God's world, you separate some gift to somebody else. Salt, like what can you do with salt? How can you, how can you make it a, 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 a useful thing in, in the scheme of godliness? But Rashi doesn't say that. He says, asrim. How do you give a tithe of that? So Rashi, for some reason, Bedavka doesn't pick the original sources that make a lot more sense Rashi seems to say, how do you tithe salt? Well, what are you talking about? You don't tithe salt. And more than that, Rashi says, Rashi, see how, how punctilious he was in halacha. Why say punctilious? Say stringent. Say try to beautify. What's this punctiliousness? So th- these are the questions that we're going to try to unravel. Yes, sir. So uh, these laws were given then? Oh, yeah. You'll see in a minute. Yes. So we're going to give two streams of answers. One, we're going to call it simple Pushit shot, which you're not going to learn any great ethical lessons from, but at least we'll save this Rashi. Um, and then we're going to take this, as we say, go, take it on the much more spiritual level with the same understanding, though, as the background. Okay? Because you have to remember, Rashi's job is not to just tell us Midrash. Rashi says earlier in Sefer Breshis to try to explain the simple meaning of the text, even if it goes against what the Medrashim say. Okay, I just want it, I just, whatever the Torah says, I'm trying to make sense out of it on the Pshat level, although there's other levels too. So if we want to look at the Pshat level, then let's go take a look at a lot of interesting things over here. Well, we know that after Avram won the war against the four kings, look at source 14. The Pusik says he gave, Avram gave Malkitzedek a tithe from all that was his because he was a priest. So what did Avram do? He gave a tenth of everything he had. Correct? Mm-hmm. And can you assume that he taught that to his children? Sure, yeah, I'm sure he taught it to his children as well. So they knew how to give a tenth, and he gave from everything that he had. Everything. Would that include things that aren't crops? I guess so. Now, what about, uh, and when Hashem praises Avram, how good he is, look what it says in Source 15. Avram is a guy that his household after him to keep the way of God doing charity and justice. He's going to teach his family to do charity and justice. And then when Yaakov runs away from Esau in source 16, he makes a vow, if you save me, everything you give, I will surely tithe to you everything you give me. And the Dasakadim in source 17 says, what's everything? Even money, material goods. So what, what is the tradition of this family? To give mice around what? Everything. Only on crops? Everything. On everything. That's what Morantinus says. Aser to aser. That's what it says in Parshas Ray. You shall give a tenth. Why? A tenth is give. Give tenth so you'll become rich. Source 18. Tosas explains there, based on the Sifri, it talks about all produce. Again, all produce. Not just produce, but anything. Even profits you make 
on business deals. So what is clear from all of this? Right? It's clear from all of this. And this is the literal Torah interpretation that Avram gave tithes from all his possessions, not only from agricultural produce. Right? Now, later on, when we got the Torah, okay, God limited it. But not in this time. God commands his household after him to keep the way of God, doing charity. Obviously, Yitzhak probably taught Yaakov and Esau. So now, when Esau says, how does one take Meister from salt and straw? It seems like a very good question. Of course, it's a great question. Because we give on everything. Okay, but now we're left with one simple thing. So why did he pick on salt and straw more than anything else? So Lubavitcher Rebbe says, a great shot. What's the common denominator between salt and straw? So let's see what Eov has to say. Source 20. Can bland food be eaten without salt? Or is there a taste in the saliva of strong tasting food? What's Eov saying? What's food without salt? Okay, what about straw? What do you know about straw? Straw, well, look at source 21. Pyro commanded taskmasters of people and the armor saying, you shall not continue to make, give stubble to the people to make the bricks like yesterday. And what do they have to do? This is very good for making bricks. So, what's the combination? Combination? They have, what is it called? Similarity, com, commonality, with salt and straw. Salt and straw by themselves have very little value. When do they have a value? When you mix it with something else. Mixture. Salt, here, have a, have a table of salt. Have a spoonful of salt. Should you ever take a spoonful of salt? Ketchup and mustard, you know? You know, it drove my mother a little something crazy when I was a young kid. I, I don't like anything she gave me. I said, I said, you, you gave, don't give me any good sandwich. I'm going to make a ketchup and mustard sandwich. I put ketchup on one piece of bread and mustard. My mother was furious with me. She's like, you eat ketchup and mustard, you put it on something else. And then I said, well, you don't give me anything good to put in between. And I'm a little kid then. I remember she was so upset. I just get a ketchup and mustard sandwich. And it's like she said, that's crazy. Okay, if I guess would have made a salt sandwich, that would have really. But what you, these things are not useful. They're not useful. But when are they useful? When you combine it with other things. So now he's asking a question. If I have to give a tenth from everything I have. So what do I do? Do I give a tenth of the salt by itself when it's not combined with things, which doesn't give a lot of value? Or when it's combined with things, and has, so which value do I give on it? Sounds like a very intelligent question. That's a very intelligent question. And that's what he's asking. So now it's going to be a, a difference in the Meister calculations. Salt by itself is nothing. But salt, when I put it on this, it's a stubble, straw, what's straw worth? But I'm going to make bricks. Oh, now, when it's part of a brick, 
its value is different, isn't it? So, but without it, it's a low value. With something, it is a bad value. So how do I how do I tie it? Wow, he's a scholar. And that's why Rashi says he was medactic. He was precise in his mitzvahs. Okay. So now he's certainly asking a wonderful question. And therefore, we say he's very meticulous in his myths observance. Good. So this is pshat. We have pshat in this last question. We have very good pshat. Why? And therefore, it seems he fooled his father. And I can see how you're fooling him now. Because as they say in the yeshiva, it's like a lumdashakasha. It's a kasha coming out of genius. It's not some stupid question. We thought it's oh, how do you tithe salt? We talking about tithe salt. Tithe salt. Just give ten percent. This already it's like in the yeshiva how they uh, have really, to figure out the really, depths. Was he really trying to trick his father, trick father or, or was, was it a sincere question? That's what I'm thinking. Of. Okay, so that's a good point. So now we have to take it. We finished the shot level. Now we got to take it to the deeper level to see the, the meaning and relevance for us level. And even though, now we can ask better. So why did Esav ask these specific questions? Aren't there other types of things he could have come up with a halachic discourse on? So we got to understand a little bit more depth of what's happening. And for the sake of time, because believe it or not, even though we have a half an hour, it's going to run out very fast because I know how much I got to say. I'll leave it on your own to see this piece of Rambam over here. But the general idea is the Rambam had a whole in his work, Shmona Prokim, which is an introduction to his commentary on Pirkei Avos. He talks about how the philosophers, you know, who is the better man? The man who has terrible cravings and desires to do disgusting things and holds himself back? Or the person who never wants to do these kinds of things is it what we'll call the the tzaddik, the person, the holy man. Is he the better man or the man who really wants to do terrible things and he has to fight himself to control it? And the philosophers would say that the holy man is the better man. And the Rambam goes through a whole discussion saying that's not so. And it brings all kinds of proofs from Chazal in the place where Baal Tshuva is, complete tzaddik isn't there, etc., etc. Okay, that's one thing. And that probably was the predicate to some famous words from the Balatanya on Source 23 on this Pasuk, where Avram, where Yisuk says to Esav, go into the field, hunt the venison, vaseli mat amim, make for me mat amim. Mat amim means a, uh, a tasty dish, kasher hafti. The problem is, matamim is in the plural. It's like tasty foods, plural. Well, just say, make me, make me a tasty dish. What is he, what's the plural over here? So there's a lot of answers. Some say it was the Seder night, and therefore you have to have the regular meat, you have it a meal for the Korban Chagiga, the festival meal. And then you need another Korban for the Korban Pesach. So that could be the plural of that. The Balatanya says a tremendous shot. I didn't bring it in because there's so much over here. He gives an example. There's, if you talk about a chef, 
There are two kinds of delicacies that can be made. Two very tasty foods. You can make something very sweet and very luscious, like the desserts we serve in the shul at Kiddush. Tiramisu, tiramisu cake. Right? Petty fours. Right? The kinds that I like. And then you got, what's the other one called? Savory. What's savory mean exactly? How do you make something savory? Well, you, you, you know, you, you, you get certain food that um, is, is salty, right? Or you, you put some salt in, right? It's kind of tart and sour. And now you have to fix it up. And then it gets like real savory. Right, so it's like it, it, it's like harder to make. You want to make a good dessert, no problem. Just get tons of sugar, tons of oil, tons of unbleached white flour, and tons of uh, you know really sweet stuff, chocolate chips, man. No problem, I can make that. No problem. But to make these other kinds of dishes, where to make a dessert that really the food itself. The basics aren't that great, but now by putting in certain ingredients that kind of clash with each other and this, and there's nothing really good about any one of those ingredients, but together it makes a great, do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? Sweet and sour, whatever. I think savory is the one that gets that. So it, it takes a bit of cleverness to make this. So too, Hashem creates two different types of souls. We'll call one a sweet soul, a soul that is just perfect. You got all the right ingredients and you just can't help but having a sweet time with that soul. And then you got other souls that really are quite uh, spicy and savory and uh, on their own don't taste that good. But you could really make a fantastic dish if you make a lot more effort in it, you, you follow what we're saying over here, and I, you know, like, you know, Marshall. I mean, you know, let's say, let's say sushi. Okay, you know, wait, Jamie, a cup. Just give me some rice and give me some salmon and give me some seaweed. And yeah, you know, no, 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 no. We're gonna make it hard. We're gonna really take because each what's rice, rice, right? What's uh, some salmon, eh, nothing. This, that, oh, but we're going to put it all together. It's mom's going to be out of this world. I said, what are you bothering? Just take some, some naturally good ingredients by themselves. You have a great dish. No, but there's something to be said. There's a culinary delight of taking all these obnoxious ingredients and putting them together, and you got an amazing dish. You, you follow what I'm saying? And sometimes... You know, you gotta, it takes a long time to make it. You, you have to, you know, you, you make the dough, let it sit for 24 hours, like sourdough. What's easier to make? Gail's regular challah, that's mamish, givaltic, or sourdough. Now, honestly, sourdough, when you start, is yuck. But you gotta do a lot of work with that sourdough, but if you're patient and you deal with it, it's quite an interesting and tasty dish, very unique in the realm of challah, correct? Yeah. 
Okay, so we appreciate. Now, what would you say is gets more of the uwa? What gets the more of the uwa when you're eating it? The, the easy to make, tried and true challah recipe. Nothing wrong with it. It's very good. That's good. Or the sourdough. What, which one you got to pay more for? Sourdough. But it's sour. Ugh. No, 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 no. But if you know how to make it, you know, by take, what's the first thing you take? Yeast. Start with yeast, right? It, it's a yichi thing and you have to let the yichi yeast. I'm totally ignorant about this. You can correct me here. It's like, you look, it looks disgusting when you're starting. And you just be patient. It's going to rise. You put it in the oven for a couple hours at a low temperature and this and that. And then you make enough from this yeast. You make another yeast. It's a whole geschäft. And the whole time you look at it, Now, another one, when my wife's making one of her yummy chalas, I can even uh, go to the batter. And, you know, I'm just, I wouldn't do that, but I'd be tempted to. You know, some of her uh, desserts, you know, just lick that batter. I don't think that would go well with sourdough. But there's something to make that. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu has two souls, two different types of souls that he creates. And what Yitzchak is telling, not just Esav, he's speaking for all parents, for all time, that Hashem wants us, we're going to have tasty foods. Both dishes are wonderful dishes. And if anything, the harder dish is the one that's even tastier and more appreciated. And therefore, what Yitzchak is telling Esau, and what is very clear, and what many of you already knew, but here's where we're going to take it a bit deeper. Yes, obviously, Hashem gave Esau from the womb a wicked personality, a terrible personality. And he gave Yaakov a beautiful personality. And really, Yaakov wouldn't have to do much. Hashem put him on autopilot. He's that kid that we're all dreaming for, right? The kid always behaves in school, never misbehaves, never gets thrown out of class, always is attentive, always listens to what the teacher says, never contradicts the teacher, gets straight A's, gets into a good yeshiva high school or a good base Yaakov, and they're always the, the nicest kid and the one with that. And then they go to seminary and all this and they're lining up for Shaduchim, right? That's the kids we want, right? As long as the kids you want. And for some reason, with God's sense of humor, he puts in certain families, wonderful parents, wonderful parents, children that are just obnoxious. But not that there's anything wrong with them. They're just cut from a different cloth. They have, they're very bright people, but they can't sit in their seat. They can't take instructions. They like to think on their own, which is a big crime nowadays in all types of education, especially Jewish education. Right? Doesn't fit into the mold because we have a certain mold and he doesn't fit into that mold. And if you can't straighten him out, we're going to have to throw him out. So by the time he's 16 years old, if he lived in New York, he'd be in nine different yeshivas. And then we're worrying, why does Hashem give us such a child? And the truth of the matter is, well, that's the child that Hashem gave you. Now, here's the point of what is doing with Esau. The Torah is telling us nothing bad about Esau. You know why? Because he himself didn't do anything bad. Hashem made him this way. 
Hashem made him be the guy who likes to go into the field. Hashem made him the guy who doesn't like to sit and learn. And there's a lot of other terrible things he did that Hashem made him like also. And he killed people. He raped people. He stole from people. Tur doesn't write about it. You know why? There'd be nothing to gain to write about it in the Torah. Because that's not really his fault. We only could put down whatever he's really going to choose to do. And when you look at Asaph, your heart goes out for the kid. Even though he's a Russia. No, he's not a Russia. Hashem made him into a personality of a Russia. So now, when you know that you've got this kind of personality, you know, you know, one thing we think about kids, don't you think kids who like really misbehave, don't you think they know they're bad? <laughs> Do you ever wonder, you know, you tell the kid to listen, he doesn't listen. He tells him this, and then he takes a rock and throws and breaks a window. Do you need to tell him he's bad? He knows he's bad, but is he really bad? You got to understand, is he really bad? I mean, what kid wants to take a rock and throw out a window? Yeah, but they always well, say there's no such thing as a bad kid. It's always misguided children. Okay, but, but the fact, but here, it's going to get a little bit deeper here. So has the kid done anything wrong? Not really. So here's the point. Hashem has given certain people who have to struggle with evil. That's the way Hashem made them. Here is the critical point. And this is where many people make a mistake. The fact that you have to struggle with evil does not make you evil. And you should know that, your teacher should know that, and your parents should know that. The problem is, in all three cases, nobody knows that. And that's why the Torah lays off of Asaph. Because really, there's not that much we could, we could hit him on because Hashem knows I made him this way. Aye, so the question is, why did Hashem make him this way? Well, guess what? Hashem made him this way. Like, in other words, the parents say, can you imagine, do you think Rivka ever said to Asaph, why can't you be more like your brother Yaakov? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because people look at Yitzhak and Rivka and say they were not good parents. I think they were great parents. Torah didn't say anything bad about them, so why should we? You get all these modern contemporary pshatim say, well, Yitzhak did not raise his children and that, Rivka, this and that. Torah doesn't say anything negative about them. What gives us the right to say that either? But, but the thing is, what Asaph had to struggle with is the fact that I really love to do terrible things. So how do you view yourself this way? This is the insight that I don't think all of us know. You know what? This is the path that Hashem chose for you. And more than this, this is the only path I chose for you. Don't try to take another path. Which means, Asa figures, for me to be a good Jew, I have to be a Yaakov. That's the biggest mistake in the world. For this boy who's having trouble with ADD and all this, to be a good boy, you're going to have to learn how to settle down. Now let's give you drugs, and you're going to learn to love Gemara. No, Hashem told you he's not there to make Gemara. And he is a kind of a kid who can make all kinds of mischief and all kinds of trouble. 
Good. So now we got to find a proper positive way to him to live his life that way. And now the only question is, how are you going to deal with it? And Avera is when you succumb to your struggles. If you let the struggles, what do most people do? You let the struggle define you. But the truth is you have to define the struggle. And therefore, if you have a child like this, or you're the child like this, you have to say, you know, why is it that you're so rambunctious? Why is you like to kill people? Why is you all these things? There's only one answer you can, how are we going to deal with it? You have to say, this is my opportunity to serve Hashem with all these struggles. And it's Hashem's invitation for me to be, maximize my life in this world as this kind of a person. And this is a real challenge with people like this. That you can either choose to have the struggle define yourself or you can choose to put it in the context of how Hashem wants you to serve Him. You follow? Mm -hmm. And that's why the Torah never says anything bad about Asaph. And that's why Yitzchak brings him close because he's very positive about him. Okay? And Rivka... And really the father is the one who's really supposed to teach the son. The halacha is the father teaches the son. So the father is spending immense time with him, teaching him and trying to build up his character. And what Yitzhak is trying to do, and if anything, you should learn this is exactly how you live with such a child. Yitzhak did everything that should be done. Everything that should be done. He had a, a, a child that was going off the derech, really off the derech. Did he throw him out of the house? No. Why didn't he throw him out of the house? Because that's going to solve anything. Better keep him in the house. And I'm going to try to empower him and to show him that this is your best situation that you can be in. We just got to figure out how to take who you are and just find a positive way to deal with it. And it doesn't, that does not mean, okay, we'll put you in, and you have to go in yeshiva like everybody, and, and you better do well. You're just going to have to overcome it. The answer is, no, you don't have to overcome it. You just have to live the way you are, just according to the way the Torah says. You don't have to sit and learn Gomorrah all day long. But you should, and, and even if you have made mistakes, and even if you struggled, I understand. God gave you such a Yetzirah that you've killed people, yes. You've raped people, yes. You've stolen from people, yes. But that's the way I made you. And yes, it would have been a lot better that you would have been able to overcome it. But the fact that you didn't, I understand. But now, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to say that the struggle defines you? Or is this the opportunity for growth? That's always the challenging part. It's so much easier to say, that's who I am. And I can't change and Yitzhak Bedavka didn't, if that's how Yitzhak felt, he would have left Esau alone. But he kept saying, Esau, go bring me food. Now you understand what he was doing, like, bring me food? Using Esau's natural tendency to kill, to be part of Kibbutzavim. You understand? He's trying to get, okay, you like me to feel good. You think Yitzhak really needed venison? Think about it. Do you think Yitzhak needed to eat venison? Do you, he care about venison? It's a pretty gourmet food. He'd be happy just with bread. 
Why did he ask for venison? Because he knew that's the way Esav will at least feel that he's uh, doing Kibbut Avei. See, you're such, Yaakov can't do this. There's a lot of things you could do, Esav. One day you're going to be a great man. One day you'll be a king of the Jewish people. And you know when you were in your mother's stomach, you went to the idols? One day you're going to go to the idols and smash them. That's why you were running to the idols. And Yitzhak every day is trying to pump him up, pump him up, pump him up. He's doing everything he should do. It's interesting, we don't have it on the sheet. So there's a famous Gemara says, Habal someone wants to purify himself. It's not on the sheet. Messiah, they assist him. Habal if he wants to make himself impure, poschim they open it up for him. So there's a lot of questions on that Gemara, but the, the Mora Naims is a very good shot. What does Gemara mean? Someone wants to make himself Tame Poschlo. Similarly, guess what? Well, we leave the door open and he could just fall into this. He says, no, if a person is coming to be impure, you have to know Poschimlo, this is the opening to your approach to Hashem. If you see you want to be wicked, that's the way you're going to get close to Hashem. By dealing with that propensity and just shifting it into the right area. So that was what Yitzchak was trying to tell him. I, I know you got this struggle. I understand it totally. I don't hold it against you because Hashem made you that way. And your avoida is much harder than Yaakov's. Yaakov, just go on cruise control and just let it stay the way it is. But that's wonderful. And Yaakov will be a tzaddik. But what's the greatest thing Hashem wants? God wants a domicile in the lower realms. Right? And what's the lower realms? Not just planet Earth. He wants a domicile where all the garbage is. We want to know there's a God in this world, not just by Yaakov sitting and learning Torah. We want to know there's a God in the world from Asaph who really wants to do every disgusting thing in the world. He's done it because he can't. And then, and then he comes to the point where he says, you know what? I can sublimate this in other areas. And now there can be much greater things can happen. So the Torah never calls him a Russia because God made him that way. But now Chazal have to expose him for his subsequent failures. That's how the text and the drush fit in beautifully. It wouldn't be right to say that Esau's wicked in the Torah because Hashem made him that way. And therefore, for us to say that, oh, Hashem makes you... So we'll leave it for Chazal to deal with that. But to look at Esau, and honestly, when you finish reading about Esau, you feel sorry for the guy. And that's how we have to feel for Rishayim. Not this hatred to destroy them. Hashem made them that way. And if Hashem makes them that way, they got a big struggle. And don't think you'd do any better if you were in that struggle. And therefore, the Torah is not going to criticize them. But the truth is, and you only saw love, hugs, and kisses. Because that's what you have to do. You have to try to empower them. But at the end of the day, if he does fail, he does fail. But what's fascinating is, so how does Hashem treat him? So let's take a look. And, oh, you don't have any more source. I'm sorry. Just, just listen to me. Sorry about that. In the book of Malachi, it talks about Hashem's love and hate. It says, V'es Esav Sanesi. V'es Esav I hate. So uh, it's said in the name of the Vilna Gon, whenever we have the word S, it always adds something supplementary, like Kabed S of Icha means to include your older brother. 
So S always like compliment, it adds a little thing to that. So the villain don't says the S ace of Sanesi. Why didn't you say the ace of Sanesi? And I hated ace of. The answer is ace of Hashem never hated. It's the S ace of he hated. The extra layer that Esau put onto it. The ace of the Russia, Hashem never hated ace of the Russia. The, but the V'es, the, the additional fact that Esau said, and therefore I'm a bad guy, and now I have an excuse to be a bad guy, that part got hated. The wicked of he made him that way. How could he hate him? But the V'es, what you did, what you put extra... To say that you you are thoroughly wicked and that's defi- you're letting the struggle define you that I hate. The struggle, the Asaph, I don't hate the Asaph, and Yisuf didn't hate the Asaph, and Rivka didn't hate the Asaph, and they were trying to him not to fall into the VS. Very fascinating. What do we all know? Tradition tells us that where did Asaph get buried? Well, I don't know where it was, but his head rolled into Marzah Why the head? Don't we know there's a, there's a rule? You don't bury wicked people next to righteous people. There was a story with one of the prophets. One of the prophets who was buried in a certain place, and a wicked person was killed and thrown in next to the tzaddik, and God made a trias amazing. He came back to life to walk out of that grave and drop dead somewhere else. So how do you have Esau's head buried over there? As a matter of fact, the, 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 the Targum says Esau's head is like in Yitzhak's lap. <laughs> the answer is because the head of Esau was beautiful. It was the body that was the problem. So that couldn't be buried over here. So now we can understand what was Esau really asking his father about the salt? What did you ask him about? So there's two ways we could look at it. Remember, ace of really, there's the ace of the above, if he would reach his level. And people like this are struggling. People who are made as Rishoyim, they know they don't want to be that way, but then again, it's hard to not be that way. The struggle is, well, do I say, okay, this is my opportunity to be great? Or no, that's who I'm going to be. And sometimes when they're talking, they could say mixed messages. So therefore, what Rashi is saying is kind of mixed messages over here. Let's look at the pure Esau, the Esau who really wants to be better. He says, how could, Abba, how can we take salt and straw that by themselves are worthless? But how can we make miser out of it? Miser means once you say it's miser, it's holy. How can I take something that's holy when itself isn't useful but only when it's connected to something else. My wickedness by itself, that hot temper, that hot blood is terrible by itself. But oh, could it make a wonderful dish if I connected it in useful things. Abba, how do you, and he says, Abba, Abba. What do you have to say Abba for? Father, how do I do this? And you know when you, when you talk to a parent like that and, and when you deal with these kids, it's, it's like crazy because on the one hand, they really want to change and the next minute, they want to be terrible. What, they're, they're, they're cuckoo people? They're not cuckoo people. They're torn because they have such a difficult way of dealing with it. So now you could say a little deeper and doesn't a parent sometimes get trapped in the love they have for their kid? 
and how can I leave him? You could say trapped, he fooled him. Yitzhak's no fool. But he trapped his father. His, a father is still a father. A father still loves a child. He trapped him that he, he couldn't leave him. And that's the good Esau. That's the part who, who understands the problem. He, he doesn't like the way he is. And doesn't want to be that way. And, and he has these moments where he really wants to know, how do, how do I, and he casts this lumdish thing. How am I going to give Meiser from salt because salt by itself is good. Why do you think? Because he was the salt. When you have these kids, they can mamish be bitter. These, didn't they have teachers say, you're such a bitter kid. You're such a behemoth. Why don't you go eat some straw? Right? So he says, how can, how can I take this, this spice? How can I make a tasty dish out of myself? I still know how to do this. Help me do this. And then on the other hand, the ace of below that fails, he says, yeah, I talk, I want to make holy the salt and make the holy the straw without connecting it to anything lofty. That's the real struggle. So when the Torah says, these are the children of Yitzchak, Yaakov and Esau, he, if you look carefully, he added two words. Go back to that, one of the first sources over there. He added two words. Where is it? Source three, four, Rashi. Elatos Yitzchak, Esau, Ha'amurim Parsha that are spoken about in this Parsha. What is Rashi adding with those two words, Ha'amurim Parsha that is spoken in this Parsha? It's saying you're not going to know who these kids are until you go through the Parsha. We, you know, don't say Esau's a Russia, Yaakov's a Tzaddik. First go through the Parsha. Realize what he had to go through. Then we'll understand. Yeah, I know you're going to say it's a Russia. And I know you know all the Chazal, but why don't you wait? Look at the way it's discussed in the Parsha. You may have a better way of understanding this. And then why did we say that it says that Rivka was the mother of Esau and, Ra- and, and Yaakov? Don't we know she's the mother of Esau and Yaakov? And what doesn't Rashi know? So the answer is, we ask, why did... They send Yaakov away. Why not send Esau away? So one of you hit on the idea very nicely. The Torah is telling us that Yitzchak, Rivka understood that Esau's only hope is if he's with Yitzchak. And as much as she wanted to be with Yaakov, she knew what's best for Esau is to be home. So don't think she didn't love Esau. She knew if you throw Esau out of the house, he's for sure done. But she knew he, he, God made him evil. Now for him to decide to be, define himself by that struggle as evil, that he needs Yitzhak. And as long as Yitzhak was around, he still kept on them. And that's why Yitzhak gave him a blessing. He says, I want to show you that you can really make use of the world. And you can really enjoy this world. And you can do a lot of amazing things. And you can still do it. I have confidence in you. And Leah and Rivka showed, I'm, she's a mother to Esau. And after having said, who would want to be a mother to that kid? And then Rashi has one more thing. And how can we ever know this was, is going to happen? So what's Rashi really saying? Rashi's saying that sometimes in life, this teaches us 
Sometimes I don't know what God wants from me. She's the mother. Why would the mother do this? Someone said, you just can't know. But you still have to do whether you can know that or not. Now, ultimately, Esav, so what, what's the part we hate about Esav? It's the S Esav. While the tzaddikim tell us, what do we know? Who's compared to Esav? The pig, right? The pig's called the chazir. Why is it called the chazir? Because the pig will one day be kosher. The truth is, Esav one day will be kosher. One day will be kosher. If his head is still there, one day he will still be kosher. So therefore, even if there are children who are off the derech, and right now they're Esav's, but don't give up that one day they can be kosher. Because you know there's another character in the Torah that was exactly like Esau. Exactly. No different at all. And he turned out good. And who was that? David. If you look at David, he was exactly like Esau. In every way. Ruddy. Red. Scorned by his brothers. He was born with an evil, evil fighter, fighter, murderer. All that. But he was able to, to take the challenge and not define himself with it. Even though everybody defined him that he didn't. So you see, what they did with Esau was the right chinuch. But it just didn't work with that kid. We do the same thing with another kid, and it could work. Okay. Shkayach, everybody. Hope you, hope I gave you something.